I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Lucy. She's blind. Let's talk about it. Uh, All right, well, let's, uh, let's start by... I want to start off by saying this. So one of my favorite pastimes in the morning when I'm drinking my morning coffee is to uh, hop onto Reddit. And uh, our videos is the subreddit that I most often will scroll through. Mm -hmm. And uh, whether that be to watch really funny or cute videos of animals, uh, sometimes it's to see videos, interesting videos like, you know, that, 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 deal with science and then every once in a while there's like just a video that kind of captures my attention that has been like gaining a lot of upvotes a lot of attention on reddit itself and this happened to be a video that you had created lucy um and it was about a washing machine um and lucy you are someone who who does not have uh the use of your your site um, and you were, you were expressing to the audience how this like brand new, I believe, believe it was like an LG washing machine, which seems to be really, uh, seems to be the shit, you know, it's like brand new. It's, it, it's, it's super high, like futuristic, high tech, state of the art. Yet it, <clears throat> you were showing us the audience how, how a lot of the technology that's being used on this washer actually prevents someone like yourself from being able to effectively use it. Exactly. I'm, you know, I'm a professional. I, you know, do a lot of work with technology and I can't, you know, even choose the difference between hot and cold wash on the stupid thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it was, I, so, so, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about accessibility a lot on the podcast over the last five years and it was, I, I find myself being kind of, um, being taken aback every time I, I, I am sort of like shown yet a, a time and time again how the things that I take for granted in the way that I go about the world and like the tech that we use. And then, and then when, when we, we see or we hear from someone who has accessibility issues and and points those issues out. It's I'm always like, oh yeah, I never I never would have thought about it. Yeah, like an clicks. example example of this would be in the in the washing machine that you were talking about, Lucy. You know, it's it's one of these like you know brand new washing machine where the there's like a large knob, right? Like this the size of like a, a the the top of a, a, a Coke can, and that knob you turn and like if you turn the knob, you're you're turning it to turn it on you're turning it to switch it to you know heavy wash normal wash like whatever but 
one of the things that you pointed out that I thought was so interesting was how this knob is great and it does, it functions in this really like accessible and easy way. However, it has an in, in, infinity twist. So it's like, there's no end. There's no like stopping point on the right, no stopping point on the left. It just continuously turns. So for someone who's blind, you never know. No you right never fucking know where you're at. You're just like you're <laughs> you're so, you're constantly turning this fucking. The, thing. The, the burning question that I had, Lucy, was how did you ever end up buying this washing machine? What <laughs> what possessed you to yeah, buy this machine right. in the first place? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I, I'm a little privileged. I have other people in my household who are going to do the laundry. Uh, I mean, perfect. You know, yeah. I, I get away without doing laundry because of the fact that we bought an inaccessible machine. So <laughs> you know, that is a sense of privilege. And, and I recognize that not everybody would have that, but it definitely had features we really wanted. Mm. You know, mm. it was the, the fastest wash time on the market. You know, it finishes a standard load in 37 minutes. Most of the machines are 80 to 90 minutes. Wow. And, <laughs> Wow. When I, you know, when I exercise my privilege and have the cleaning lady come do the laundry, the longer she's here, the more I have to pay her. So let's get let's get the right, washing right. done fast. So it's an economic decision as well. Right, right. Well, and also it has the ability to measure out how much detergent and how much fabric softener you need to you should use, because. Everybody over, and this is a, you know, this is an industry-wide thing. Everyone puts too much laundry soap in and, mm -hmm. you know, then you get soap residue on your clothes. So we wanted that. We wanted the ability to have it say, only use X amount of laundry detergent, period. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, why should I not have a washing machine that has these cool features if I can do so? Mm, yeah, right. It's, it's, um... It strikes me though too because when I was watching your video, I thought, like, that I, I was like, oh wow, that is such a state of the art laundry machine. That's something I would love to own. But the way that the buttons were laid out, like, there was another panel with um, all like touchscreen buttons, and I was thinking about like the use of something like an iPhone. Um, like most smartphones now are buttonless. Like there, there, are, mm. there's no like tactile sort of feedback in, in how you interact with the device. And as soon as I saw that, that washing machine video, I was like, whoa, there's so many things that are not designed for people who can't see. Is, is, well, that, is that your feeling? Well, I'm going to argue with you, though, because uh, iPhone and Android and Windows phones, although how many people use those, <laughs> all have accessibility built in. Mm. So those touch screens work, you know, I have on my desk downstairs an iPhone 10R. I have an Android Pixel 3. I can use those devices very easily because they have a built-in screen reader and they have a special gesture library that's created especially for a blind person to be able to navigate the interface. Mm -hmm. so, so this this world of like accessibility through tech, um, this is this is your world. Can you can you give our listeners a bit of an introduction into the the work that you do? Sure. So I work at the University of California Berkeley, and my job there is to help people make their websites better. I mean, mm. basically, we're looking at web accessibility, but we're also looking at application accessibility, and my job is to review everything people create. 
and help them make it more accessible. So from a basic website, you know, pointing out that if they forgot to label the graphics, how to put proper labels on the graphics to, you know, I'm working with um, an application creator right now, making sure that on the mobile device, when a blind person pays for something, it actually tells them what the price of that thing is because previously it wasn't telling them what the price of that item was. Mm -hmm. and so I had to say to them, you know, I, I clicked on this item and I chose quantity of two, but it's still showing the same price as if I only had one, you know, that kind of thing. So right. my role is to, to test items and then give people instructions and training on how to become more accessible. So yes, it is something I'm, you know, it's, it's what I do for a living is telling people how to become more accessible. Hmm. What? I have to say though, in the case of this washing machine, we hoped that the mobile app would be our savior because there is a mobile app. Right. And I don't know if either of you have seen the follow-up video I did the this past Sunday, I guess not yesterday, but a week ago. The follow-up video is where I actually go through and show you that the app actually makes it even worse because now I oh, can actually no. see that the settings are there. Right. And when I use my screen reader to activate the controls, nothing happens. Oh, no. Did you, when you, like, so I, I, I again, just coming back to the, the original video, um, when, I, when, I, when I say I picked up Steam, like, it, it was, like, front page of Reddit. It, it, it really did go viral. And, you know, it was a pretty short video, but, like, you, you call out the brand of the, the washing machine. And I can only, like, do I'm sure you've gotten lots of outreach um, and lots of comments and people chiming in to give their thoughts. But did did you ever hear from LG? Like, did did anyone from LG go, "Oh, uh, hey, Lucy, thanks for pointing this out to us"? Before I decided to um, record this video, I actually rage tweeted. Ah. <laughs> and and when I rage tweeted, I actually did mention LG. Mm -hmm. And the reason I rage tweeted is because going into the app uh, to enable the remote control of the device, it has this uh, message that says, for your own safety, you must find the remote control button on the machine and hold it in for three seconds before you can control the device remotely. What? Well, Guys. my rage tweet <laughs> okay. was that I that LG figured I was a dangerous person because that button was completely unfindable by a blind person because it was in that really large touchscreen area. Oh, right, totally. And, and LG did respond to that one with, um, can you file a ticket? <laughs> that was that was the extent of their of their um, response. Then somebody else actually tweeted a message mentioning LG, saying, "You know, are you going to fix this?" And LG's message was the autoresponder of, uh, "Can you file a ticket?" File, yeah, so right. uh. yeah, so no, no. LG technically <laughs> has not responded. It's just a generic, you know, Zendesk response. Yeah, I, I, so, so I. How I want to get into the history of of you uh, living with blindness. Have you been blind your entire life, or is this something I, that I, I was born totally blind? Yes. Okay. So yeah. this so I may have had a little bit more vision when I was a child, but you know, not enough to 
not enough to read print. So let's you, put it that right. Way. You don't have you don't have memory of of much sight. Um, no. uh, how you know? How old are you, Lucy? I'm 52. Okay, and so I've I've been through the the internet era. You know, I started before there was an internet, and I can tell you that it actually helped. You know, my life is better today because of it. Because of the internet. Because of the internet. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I guess like, like, were you an early, were you an early internet user? Like, how? how um, at what point in your life did you start to notice how, like, how the web and how tech can assist someone with blindness, and and like, how far have we come? So I was a. I am an early adopter. I early adopt as many things as I possibly can. <laughs> Preach me too. I'm all about it. Um, my husband and I met online before there was an internet and when there were still only a thousand people with email addresses. Whoa. And, and we lived in two separate cities. So uh, we met on the old BitNet relay, which, you know, very few people even know why IRC is called IRC. We're going to we're gonna have to Wikipedia that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, internet so, relay. We're, well, IRC is internet relay chat. But yes, and, you know, where the relay that? chat comes from is that's what, you know, when there was no internet, there was relay chat. <laughs> that's cool. I, I don't so know much about that, but did, did you have like, were you, I imagine that you had like at the equivalent of at Lucy for all of your tags. So like, because there was very few users, did you get like Lucy at hotmail.com? Like the, I guess I ICQ still, didn't have anything, but <laughs> I was still I was still you know El Greco in those days. I'll I'll remain El Greco forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, cool. Yeah, it, it's it, in those days, and this is when I realized you know what technology could really do for people with disabilities. I was using a service called Gopher, which is you know pre HTML that was basically a service to find articles and be able to read articles and get information that otherwise I had to find somebody else to read to me or find a way of getting those articles in a digital format. Well, I could just use Gopher and type in a search term and it would throw up a page of 15 results. Was it, did, did that um, change it to the, the text to audio so that you could hear it or how did, how did that work? Again, I had software that would read the text on the screen. So it would just get an article, you know, the thousand people who were online who were using this service, you know, were able to get the text of the articles and they could read it. Well, I had software on my computer that would read the text on the screen. Hmm. Lucy, what are, what are some of the, what are some of, when, when I, when I, when you say that you're, you are working with people in like web accessibility, um, what are some of the tenets of, of accessibility when you're, when, when you are, when somebody is creating something, um, obviously it sounds like web, web accessibility is your wheelhouse, but you know, as it applies to technology, um, in general, like what are, what are, what are the things that, uh, companies, developers should be, should be keeping front of mind when it comes to accessibility, when innovating, a product so that things like so that things like this LG washing machine is not something that needs to be that that has to be a, a viral a viral video. Um, the number one principle is consult with people with disabilities. Mm. 
we are a big part of society. I mean, there is statistics that will tell you there is 21 million blind people around the world. There is a lot more people than that with you know, everything from amputees to cerebral palsy to deafness, hard of hearing. I mean, there's, there's people with disabilities everywhere. There's statistics that say one in five people will experience either a temporary or permanent disability by the time they are 60. So we're everywhere. Consult with us. You know, hire people with disabilities to be on your development teams. Hire people, you know, to help you test your products in the test studios. You know, if you have a young college grad coming in who's never experienced disability, creating the newest WYSIWYG product on the market, that person is not going to create it to be accessible. But if you hire a person with a disability to partner with that person and work with that person, you're going to get something that that college grad likes, but you're also going to get something that's accessible. Have you, have you, in your experience, is it, is, is accessibility, is, is the, is accessibility features on a, on a given product, do they always seem to come in the second, third, fourth, fifth iteration of that product instead of? in the sort of the initial launch of a product and and I, cuz i i'm i'm assuming that i'm assuming that is the case and 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 if that is the case um like where i, I guess going back to what the answer you just gave i guess getting people involved right from the get go is the is would sort of be the answer to that but is that is that in your experience that it, that accessibility is features are not are not a part of the first rollout of, of a given product and they sort of come after like a, a bit of an afterthought after, after you get people like you making videos and giving feedback about how unaccessible an item or a product is? I would like to say it isn't the case, but I'm not going to say in every single case because as soon as I say that, somebody's going to point out, but this came out accessibly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much until somebody knows that that the thing that doesn't work, it, it is tending to come out inaccessible from the get-go. Mm. And it takes a lot of work to fix it. Mm. Sadly, you know, the money spent on remediating products and fixing them mm. can end up being five to ten times more than what it would actually have Whoa, cost to make right. the product properly to begin with. The, the, the thing that I th think about is, is how, especially when it comes to the internet and and access to to technology i mean for the the broader population i imagine that let's take um video production for example so it used to require a huge amount of money and a video production company to be able to create uh, a television show short film movie commercial what have you but then as technology evolved things became more available uh, people started to um, upload videos to platforms like YouTube. Sort of everybody had the potential, and I say everybody very loosely, had the potential to become a, a content creator. I wonder how that... I'm wondering how that transition um, to where people... And another example I'm thinking of is, is web development. So web pages would have been designed by bigger companies, and now people make their own web pages... Do we see more accessible um, versions of these products and technologies coming forward as 
the um, ability to create and develop these things becomes more individual and personalized. Uh, and and I ask that too in the sense that I'm I'm thinking of making you know I, I edit and manage a couple web pages myself and I haven't personally considered the accessibility mm. features of that thing, but I'm wondering if if more people are because of the nature it's of how not, easy it, it's not it's no. not really getting any better. Um, if you use best practices and use you know really good standard HTML, but it's when people kind of try and break outside the box mm -hmm. and do something that's really cool and WYSIWYGY and, you know, uh, try and be clever about it. Right. They don't consult with the person with a disability to see if that actually works. And let me be frank with you here. Typically when you do that, you actually lose a lot more than people with disabilities because those WYSIWYG things just don't work for most people. I, I'm thinking immediately of an example. So I, I did a lot of like my own personal research into uh, web design and, and development uh, over the past couple of years. And um, I got really um, interested in reading up on the WWW awards or a WWW awards. So it's like the World Wide Web Awards. And yep. um, all of the all of the websites that one uh, best site had these like really crazy, like uh, Java video like elements where you would scroll onto the website and there would be this really dynamic text and video imagery. And I was thinking, I'm thinking now like that was beautiful, but how accessible would that be? Because it would almost be impossible for these Excel accessibility, like screen reading features to be able to, understand what they're showing on the screen on those so, pages. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, these things may look beautiful and you can make something look beautiful that's accessible and yeah. you can do all that fancy stuff yeah. and make it accessible, but you really got to know what you're doing. So for example, we reviewed a website recently that had one of those parallax effects that as you're mm -hmm. you know, scrolling down the page, it did some really interesting animation and it actually removed items from the, if I use technical terms, am I going to lose anyone? If you use, if, if it actually removed content from the DOM, from the, the document object model. Mm. And that content it was removing were anchors I used to move around the page. So, uh. you know, the top of the page was a heading. And, you know, to find, or at least the heading was there, at, at the top of the content underneath the navigation bar. And so when I looked for that content, I couldn't find it because I had scrolled down the page and it was gone. Mm -hmm. The equivalent completely gone. It didn't exist. The equivalent is if you could see and you went to that website, you would basically see nothing. <laughs> so like it's, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's, you're totally exactly. losing a, an entire audience from not including that. Yeah. I mean, there's a rule of web, there's a rule of, uh, you know, website usability, it says if you don't catch the audience in 30 seconds, you're going to lose them. Mm -hmm. Well, that 30 seconds for me, if I don't find that heading, that's when you've lost me. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to like, I'm as we're talking about this, I'm trying to sit here and imagine examples of accessibility, whether that be through tech, whether that be through um, infrastructure, um, you know, clothing, like wh whatever, whatever. I'm trying to think of examples of where uh, someone who 
doesn't quote unquote need quote unquote need the accessibility also doesn't benefit. You know, like like we were talking about these new Nike shoes a couple of days ago on the podcast th- that are these shoes that you literally slide your foot in and click down and the shoes are on. So you don't need hands. You don't need to use your hands to put the shoes on, which is like, okay, great. That's really easeful for me. I can just slide into my shoes like slippers, clip them on, and I'm ready to go for a run. Someone who who has is like differently abled in the with with limb difference and doesn't have fingers or doesn't have hands, well, that, that's a win for them as well. It's like this this awesome product looks cool, it's functional, and everybody wins. Um, wheelchair ramps, right? Like. Those are fun. <laughs> they're they're way more fun than stairs. It's like a, it's like a your own little slide. You know, well, it's, it's like, like it's like all the smart home, all the smart home tech, which yeah, is something smart, that we've like exactly that yeah. we I kind of tuned into. Um, speaking with somebody a few years ago, like early on when we first started the podcast, you know, I had I I had never I really had never thought about how how that was at its core. Like accessibility, like being able to just mm. being able to to speak to something rather than rather than all of the interfacing with with a mm. with a with the piece of technology and you know the the I guess I guess like limitless seemingly limitless uh, possibilities that 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 like a you know something like a Google Home or an Alexa or whatever can so provide. So we have a, going we have a term for that in the industry. We call it um, electronic curb cuts. Because the whole idea was, is when curb cuts were first put in, it turned out not only people from with wheelchairs benefited that, you know, mothers with strollers, skateboarders, right. mm. everyone benefited from these curb cuts. And when you have these electronic ones or these digital ones, it, it's like a curb cut and that mm-hmm. everyone benefits. And, we, and for people who don't know what a curb, like uh, they hear the word curb cut and they, they yeah. didn't even realize that this was a thing that had been introduced later. What is a curb cut? Curb cut is the ramp that is placed at an intersection in helping a person enter and exit the crosswalk. And that's, you know, that's what the technical term of it is. So it's where the sidewalk becomes flush with the street. Right. So you've got the curb that goes around the entire block, and then at the actual crosswalk, there's an area where there's a slight little ramp that helps you, mm-hmm. as a wheelchair user, this is what they were initially created for, was wheelchair users to be able to get on and off the sidewalk into the street to cross the street. Mm. I just want to say, Lucy, Taylor and I knew exactly what you were talking about. So did all of our listeners. Jer was just confused. Oh, stop it. <laughs> it <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, for, for, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. for everyone out there who doesn't uh, know... Just ask him for yeah. a friend. Uh, <laughs> what is that? Uh, sorry, I cut you off there to, to get that explanation so I could know. But uh, go, uh, go ahead. But we... We have shown over and over and over again that every time you make something more accessible, everyone likes it. Mm. Everybody can use it faster, more effective. You know, the products that people hate are the products that are inaccessible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have an application we use on campus that nobody can figure out that they actually had to hire somebody to actually use it for me because it's so inaccessible. And everyone on campus is like, you know, you have to use this thing. It's, it, it, they dread it. It's horrifying. It's terrible. It's, believe it or not, still in Flash, even though Flash doesn't exist anymore. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we're in a, we're in a, I mean, we're in a, 
we're in a productivity race all of the time. And it seems to be that all of the things that, not all of the things I should say, but a lot of things that allow us to be more productive are, are a lot of these excessive, uh, end up being these, these features in technology that are, that are really useful for, uh, really useful for accessibility features. And, and I guess when, and I guess I'm kind of having this thought, like we use accessibility, the word accessibility, um, maybe a little bit too narrowly to, to describe a feature that is used for somebody who, who has, you know, different capabilities than, 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 than somebody else. But but it is exactly. like it is accessible. It's making everything more accessible to everybody. Like it's yeah. not like it's, and 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 maybe there's I don't know. Maybe we should just be thinking about that word in a different sense. <clears throat> mm. We we call it in the industry inclusive design. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. creating products and designing products that everyone can use. Mm. You know, you you happen to include people with disabilities as part of inclusive design. But you also are including people who are elderly. You are also including people who speak a different language. Yeah. You know, you're also including, you know, the person who's never used this type of technology before and simplifying their ability to do that. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Again, as someone who who takes a lot of this stuff for granted, um, I'm I'm trying to think of like different assistive technologies that exist out there. Like um, like speech to text is one that I use constantly. That I think is like pretty mm -hmm. uh, pretty great for a lot of folks. Um, what like what are some other assistive technologies that exist that I might not be aware of um, that are doing that are that are that are doing it really well and and what kind of like work could or needs to be done to improve that that world? So eye gaze is one of the most innovative, most recent you know tech technologies to improve for people with disabilities that I think people are going to find really, really useful in the future. Uh, and it's, you know, previously it would cost in the 6000 to, you know, $15,000 range. And to describe the, the uh, technology, if a person looks at an item on a computer screen, you can do things like, you know, dwell really intently, like focus in on it, and a camera is focused on your eyes and sees what you're focusing on and will click it for you. Wow. Yeah. So that's something that's really, um, you know, critical for, say, a person who has no use of their hands mm -hmm. and has not, you know, can't use, say, their feet to control the mouse and the keyboard. So by using their eyes, they can actually look at something and 
maybe blink and then that blink would put a click there and they can do things like drag and all the rest with their eyes. Wow. Do you right click and left click with your left and right blinks? <laughs> That'd be cool. I never having used it because, you know, since I can't see the screen, I'm not going to play <laughs> yeah. with eye gaze. Right. But think about how, you know, eventually something like that, maybe you want to turn to the left and your eyes are looking to the left in a right. car. Right. I mean that's an extreme, yeah. extreme example. But, but it sounds. But you you say that it's an extreme example. But what sounds more extreme that you control the car with your eyes, or that the car just drives itself, and then well, then you think there about is Tesla that too, and you're like, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. The, I mean, the, I mean, I want a self-driving car. My husband, you know, for years has you know worked on different projects for autonomous vehicles, with the condition that you know, for me the first day we can purchase an autonomous car will be in the parking lot with a cashier's check. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Because he hates to drive and I, you know, I want the mobility that would give me. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I, when I, when you, when you talk about eye gaze, like that, the, 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 the foundation of that technology is so, sounds so incredible. And, and, and I think about how, you know, what, I don't know if you're familiar with Elon Elon Musk uh, talking about Neuralink and and yep. that technology. And you know he, he he was talking about how Neuralink will be you know initially be very beneficial for people with Alzheimer's because the the, the technology will allow um, some type of electrical signal that happens in the brain uh, be neutralized, uh, minimizing the effects or eliminating the effects of Alzheimer's. But but. But then that same technology could then, you know, in the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, tenth generation or iteration of that technology will be utilized by everybody to become, you know, higher intelligent human beings to process information at different speeds. And I think about that, like when you say, when you talk about eye gaze, I see that and I go, is there, is there any, are are they, are they trying to take that technology and, and make that a technology (sighs) where you wouldn't even need to use a mouse or keyboard for your for a computer like anybody because you could just look and 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 is it and and if they're not is it would it be because they're that's it's too slow like the 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 processing speed of that technology for the eye is slower than what we could do with our hands if if we can use a mouse and keyboard it's getting there it's not there yet the technology is definitely improving you know, first of all, the price is coming down. It's now yeah. no longer that $6,000 to $15,000. Uh, I think there's a system I heard that's available for $125. Wow. Well, and um, Microsoft cheaper. Surfaces actually <clears throat> have some eye gaze technology built into them. That's cool. Did so it, it's, you know, this is where things are going, but we still have to remember that, you know, this might help a lot of people do things a lot faster and focus mm-hmm. on it and think about it. Yeah. It's not going to help me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we have to be inclusive and we never eliminate the ability to help one group by, you know, we've got to make sure that there's a parallel for all the other groups that it may affect negatively. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, we call that ethical. It's interesting because I've never thought of what the replacement for the the keyboard would be because I look at the keyboard and go, wow, this is a really efficient, well-designed product. But I, I, but then I, hearing you say that, Taylor, reminds me of listening back to a Radio Lab episode about, now imagine this, if you guys haven't thought about this before, 
how do you think they fit the entire Chinese alphabet on a keyboard? Oh, yeah. I, 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 Have you heard that? I, I heard this episode. It was mind-blowing. It's really, really fascinating. So if you haven't thought about it, just think about it now. Like, how do they fit all those characters on a keyboard? And then puzzle over that and go listen to yeah, the radio lab episode. It. It'll, it'll blow your mind. Yeah. But there, but the, yeah. but there's a the, you know the keyboard. When you said that there, that it doesn't help you, Lucy. What? what well, I, eye gaze doesn't help. No, gaze, no. Yeah. I, yes, I, yeah, I, yeah, yes, I understand. <laughs> what, like that seems to me that that must be such a massive challenge when developing any technology is because there is such a super massive spectrum of of potential issues that accessibility issues that that a person can have uh i i i almost i feel like i feel like somebody so, somebody is always being left out in the cold when developing a technology even when the intention is to make it really accessible because because you know the the, the all the let's, let's imagine this this product that you're developing it and you know, you you get somebody who who has lived with a disability. They're consulting on it. They're a part of the 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 production and the design. And then and the intention is that there's going to be all these incredible accessibility features. And then you roll it out, and you know you think that this is going to be something that is accessible to everybody under the sun. And then there's that one person that goes, "Wait, but I have I have this, and because of this thing that I have that I live with." It's inaccessible. Like how well, what you're how saying, challenging is that to to, yeah. to think it, it about? Happens. Yeah, right. It happens. It's going and to. the th- and the thing I tell people is <clears throat> be open. Mm-hmm. Give <clears throat> you know open the channels for people to tell you those things, and be willing to engage and process and think about those things, and, and see because you know if you're never going to be perfect, but we're not trying to achieve perfect we're trying to achieve as inclusive as we can mm-hmm. it, and it, if you're not open to the complaints and the the information you're not going to develop a better product for the next version mm-hmm. it's okay to have version two and version three be better yeah and i guess that's what's so um, incredible about about software technology is that you don't have to you don't have to remanufacture yeah. this this hardware that needs to be you know go down the production line and ship out and everything. I mean, you you, you just send an you, update. Yeah, you get you get you get <laughs> feedback from somebody who says, "Hey, this wasn't accessible because of X Y Z," and then you know, three months later, and then the, yeah, the people think about it, and then all of a sudden, it's you know an entire new feature set that. You know, solved X, Y, and Z, and and maybe now we're down to QWP. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, what are what are some companies that like? Do you have examples of companies that are really fucking nailing it in the in the realm of accessibility when it comes to whether it be web or tech or what have you? I, I like to point to Microsoft's accessibility yeah. um, initiatives. They've done <clears throat> phenomenal work. They're not hitting it on the head every single time but they really have done amazing work when it comes to accessibility. Um, their AI research is doing some really interesting stuff with, you know, describing images and captioning. And, and so Microsoft does an amazing job. Apple does really good work when it comes to accessibility. You know, their built-in screen reader is really, you know, at least in North America, the most used, device because mm-hmm. an iPhone 
is really quite accessible for a person who's blind and visually impaired. Google has an amazing accessibility team. They've done a lot of work and made a lot of progress in the past few years. And they mainstreamed captioning. You know, YouTube really made captioning something that was out front for everyone Mm -hmm. and made it simple and easy. And they basically, you know, opened the door for everyone to be able to caption things. Because that's just a feature that you can turn on 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 YouTube, right? You just it's just a toggle on captions, right? And then I know that they don't get it perfect. Well, when they're when they're auto generated, no, they don't get it perfect. But you know, even if you compared to five years ago, they were Mm. getting it better than they were. I mean, Mm. that's, that's the whole point of machine learning is that the more we actually go in and correct those captions, and and this is Mm. my push for people who are YouTube producers, go in and edit your captions, fix them, clean them up, because then the next video you upload, it's going to actually do a better job Mm -hmm. and a better job. Mm. And it's, it's just an infinite growing curve of, you know, the machine learning is doing better. Are there, are there any, and, and like we were kind of talking about earlier, they, they, these might be, this might be a, a technology, uh, an emerging technology that is, um, you know, that is uh, as, as useful to uh, somebody with uh, somebody with a, a disability or not. Um, are there any, are there any, emerging technologies that are blowing your mind and that are sort of like on the cusp and maybe, or, or sort of not, not rolled out to the public, like things that are on the horizon that are really blowing your mind. Um, it's kind of hard to blow my mind. (laughs) It's really, really hard to blow my mind. Uh, Is there something that, that makes you go, huh, that's interesting. (laughs) I think maybe I'm a little jaded. It's, you know, I, I do like what Apple did with the iPhone 12 Pro, the, the new one with the LiDAR in it. Mm-hmm. You know, they came out with a very innovative application right off the bat, specifically for COVID. Um, so with that yeah. new LiDAR on the 12 Pro, a blind person can make sure they're six feet away from people. Right. I mean, that's like, I, I'm really proud of them for thinking of that. That was really excellent. Um, you know, the thing that's really kind of at the point of going to be amazing in the next three to four years is data and data visualizations. Mm-hmm. Right now, you can't go to any website really without having somebody show you a bar chart or a graphic. Mm. And those are really quite horribly inaccessible most of the time. But there's a couple of companies that are doing some really innovative, clever work with data visualizations Mm. to make those more accessible and more understandable to people who are blind or people who might, you know, not think in a visual way. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's, I mean, and again, that's another example of how, of how that's not just helpful for somebody who doesn't have the use of sight because you know, I, I, I run a, uh, I have a yoga studio and, we, and I, train, I train new yoga teachers and, and you know, a big thing that we talk about is, is like different styles of, of learning and like when you're teaching somebody, well, you can't, you, you couldn't, you can't just, just say it 
you need to also do it and you need to also de like demonstrate and you also need to like help with like physical adjustments and like all these different modes because you're just not going to get um, because everybody's not learning in the same way. And so like so that that then becomes that then that then which might which which maybe the maybe the intention is oh well, well let's do this let's represent let's do data visual let's do data representation in this other way that's accessible and 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 exactly. all, and, and it opens it up for everybody else who just you know you know somebody who can you know they can see the charts just fine but whenever they see a chart it just melts their brain because they go this isn't for me <laughs> <laughs> exactly and if you do that in a more accessible way people might be able to digest portions of that a little bit more effectively than yeah and then we get a more um, I and mean, then we get a more intelligent population and a more engaged well, and, and understanding population let me pitch a friend of mine's project that he's doing um as you know so initially that video was posted as part of a competition. He actually won the competition last year and is creating a uh, website and subscription service for blind people to do exercise. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. And it's called Revision Fitness. And you can download the uh, Android app and I think the iOS app is due out any day now. And what he's doing is he's creating instructions for blind people and videos that walk people through how to do the exercises properly, That's you know, really... in a way that sighted people have never actually been able to teach blind people before. Mm -hmm. And he is, he's a blind Paralympian himself who actually works as a trainer in a gym. Oh, so cool. he's taking his knowledge and, you know, helping more people become fit through, you know, the technology of putting it on the web and having people, you know, learn from his video, but also from his descriptive text. Mm, that's cool yeah, because amazing. most workout videos you get are just people going, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So there's it would be a, like a little much bit more. too much of that. Where yeah, are you right. getting your workout videos? Uh, I just go to a, <laughs> just, yeah, let's just, do it. Okay. Just pulling, workout the, videos. pulling shit off the shelves at Value Village. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah Have you heard of you Richard know, he, Simmons? <laughs> I mean, where his videos, you know, he talks about which muscles and where the muscle is and which, Know, yeah, and, and and to tie that back to like how how accessibility is just like it's it is universal. This this sounds like something that someone who can see could also tune into this, and and seemingly Learn. become a little bit more body aware, right? A little bit more in tune with what what they're actually doing with their body because because there's this added descriptive element to it. Exactly. Exactly. That's why, that's why I wanted to bring that up is because, you know, the accessibility there is very universal. Mm. Yeah. Lucy, I think, I think the question that we've all been dying to ask is if you could become a cyborg, would you? No. <laughs> are you, are you, you going to be an early, are you going to be an early adopter of uh, Neuralink though? If, if that, if that comes out and it's, it... you know, <laughs> If I see a benefit to something, I'm going to definitely early adopt it. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was I was one of the first kids on the block to get a robot vacuum, and <laughs> you know, I was one of the first kids on the block to have a home assistant. Do you think that AI is a runaway technology that's going to take over the human race? I think it's a runaway technology that we have to be sure is ethical, and that we have to moderate, mm. and we have to con we have to engage with it appropriately. I think it's going to do some wonderful things, 
But I also think that if we don't tread carefully, it can actually do a lot more damage and disruption. So for example, with auto captions, people actually think that auto captions are all they need to do. And, and that's, you know, auto captions can be somewhat horrifying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, our, our favorite example at, at the university is our uh, president used to be Janet Napolitano. And there was a video that introduced her as the president of Nepal. <laughs> oh, <wow>. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. <So, laughs> and, 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 you know, so AI is good, yeah, but we, we, need to, we need to, you know, have people understand that AI can actually be false. I mean, if people mm. depend on it too much, it can really distort our perception of the world. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you know much about GPT three? No, never heard right. the, it's no, a, what is it? We'll talk about it later. We can talk about it later, but it's, it's a, it's an AI. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere. I was just curious if you could shed some light on it because I don't know that much about it, but I, yeah, it's a really powerful AI where that open AI is working on. I mean, let me give you an example of, one of the things that is proven to have problems for people with disabilities with AI is we're seeing AI being used a lot in um, the job search process. Mm. And companies are using AI to screen um, resumes. You know, God help us, they have thousands of resumes to go through and they want to pick the top 10 resumes. And AI will look through those resumes and depending on the algorithm, it may eliminate the top candidate because it's only looking for what the algorithm tells it to look for. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, you could have a very unique, clever individual who doesn't fit the algorithm, but is still the better candidate for the job. Mm. It's a, uh... It's it's interesting. I worked with another company, and we we were looking at identifying the skills gaps uh, through uh, scraping resumes and looking at job postings, and and it was work that we started to look into and then backed away from it because you get put into a place where you're having to make decisions that are going to inform, and instead of you like we we really wanted to step away from being in a prescriptive place with anything that we do because you take on a lot of responsibility of how AI has the ability to basically shape, you know, who gets access to opportunities, which is a bit of a ethical and moral place that is, you know, if AI is having that much influence, it's, it's a sort of risky place to go. It's, it's a very risky place to go. I mean, you know, governments are using AI to determine who's a terrorist. And, mm. you know, just because the wrong words show up in some of your emails, mm -hmm. you know, those words might be there legitimate, legitimately, and you just don't know what the AI is targeting. So what you're saying is Skynet is real. 
<laughs> yeah. What, unplug what? Someone I I was watching a YouTube video earlier today, and I and and they were making Skynet uh, uh, Skynet references, and he made an Ar he did a, an Arnold voice, yeah. and he was like, oh, "I'm trying to unplug it." And I didn't I didn't know the reference, but I laughed very heartily because he did a he nailed the Arnold uh, uh, the Arnold. Uh, uh, Lucy, this has been this has been really fun to to be able to pick your brain about accessibility mm -hmm. through tech. Um, do, can you let our listeners know um, where they can kind of keep up with the work that you're doing? Um, maybe let them know your YouTube channel and you have a blog as well, right? I do. It, my blog is Access Aces. So that's A-C-C-E-S-S-A-C-E-S dot -S -S -E -S -S com. And I actually link to my YouTube channel on there. You can just click on the Lucy on YouTube and it's all there. And my, my blog is a little eclectic. It has a lot of web accessibility and accessibility and education content, but it also has a lot of recipes and uh, it has my YouTube channel on there. And my YouTube channel up until just recently has been mostly cooking videos. So Sweet. Just, just to be just to be clear, if there's one cooking video that you would recommend yeah, that we one? check out too, yeah. is, do you have any recipes uh, no, that are bangers? No, no, no. See, this would be you know <laughs> me trying to get uh, somebody to uh, look at the one that has the least views. Right? <laughs> well, that's okay. Yeah. That's fine. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, they all have different meanings to for me. So, like for example, I have my mother's traditional lasagna on Ooh. there. Um, you know, my very first video is probably not the best video for people to look at, but I go through and talk about an appliance in that video as part of the video. So it's it's making homemade pasta with the Philips pasta maker. Oh, cool. Amazing. And, and I talk about, you know, how I had to bypass the uh, intelligence of the machine itself. <laughs> you know, I, I, I do a little bit of everything on there. So I've done... Um, scones and biscotti and i've done meat pies and the purpose of the channel is mostly giving tips for other blind cooks you know oh, oh, nice. how to use how to use the senses that you do have to make it through the kitchen mm. but then it's also a fun way to share some of my recipes 100 that's very see cool. you later hello fresh we're uh, <laughs> we're promoting Lu lucy, lucy on youtube greco, yeah lucy greco <laughs> cooking in the kitchen <laughs> Uh, Lucy, this has been really fun. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day today to sit down and chat with us. I really enjoyed it. I, you know, anytime. Cool. Take Thanks. care. Well, that's all, folks. Uh, thanks for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, it's just me for the sign-off here because it's early in the morning and Brian and Taylor haven't showed up to the office yet. Um... But uh, we're so glad that you joined us this week. And here's the wild thing about all this is that we're going to be back again on Friday and back again on Monday and Friday and Monday and Friday for all days to come, unless something changes and we start releasing more episodes on Wednesdays. Who knows? Um, uh, I want to say thank you for tuning in. And uh, you can catch this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CBC Listen app, and you can also catch a video of the podcast over on YouTube. I also want to give a huge shout out to all of the bodies that make this podcast possible. Sick Boy Podcast is produced by Lauren Sankey, Brian Stever, Taylor McGilvery, myself, Jeremy Saunders. The sound design 
is coming to you from our friend Donovan, the Meerkat Morgan. Sick Bite Podcast is managed by Jeffrey Lonis. And a big shout out to all of the folks who put the music together for this show. That includes the band Take Part. They do not exist anymore, but try to go find them on Bandcamp. I'm sure they would appreciate it. And of course, for our Friday episodes, Rich O'Coin. Love you, buddy. That's it for this week, folks. My name is Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.